with support from Exoskin, your second skin. Welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. My name's Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra, and we have a great episode for you. Episode 162, we're speaking with Bart Yasso, the mayor of running. You might have heard of Yasso 800s before. Well, this is the guy. Um, I'm also speaking with Brittany Charbonneau. She's the funny runner, and she's the feature of my new upcoming film, and we get to speak with them about all things running, a little bit of background on the film, a little fun old school background on Bart Yasso and just his thoughts on how things are developing in the sport. And just overall, you know, it was, it was a really fun conversation, so I hope you guys enjoy it. My name is Bart Yasso. I am affectionately called the mayor of running. I have no idea where that title came from. It's not a, uh, it's not something that, that I was elected to, but many people call me that because I've gone to so many events. Uh, I worked at Runner's World Magazine for 31 years. For many years, I was the chief running officer at Runner's World Magazine, which I always said is the greatest gig in running. And uh, such an honor to be part of the running community. I've been fortunate enough to get inducted in the RRCA, the Road Runners Club of America Distance Running Hall of Fame, and the Running USA, uh, what they call the Hall of Champions. So I feel honored to be part of this sport, and uh, my message is just keep running. Let's start off with hearing a few people talk about seeing the funny runner. I believe um, this film festival actually showed the film in theaters, and this was the feedback that they gave the film festival. I loved that we started this piece right at the beginning in the quiet moments before anybody has woken up going for that morning run. It just captured, I guess, the essence or the, the purity of what makes running a therapeutic moment and outside of the marathons and the goals just getting up and doing it every day um i thought this was such playful filmmaking there were so many elements that just brought me so much joy from the beginning cookie making with our title cards for her her partners cookie business great tie-in um to all of the characters we got to meet that she plays the the title cards with her narrating it uh there's just so much joy in in being silly and finding the voices voices to inspire you and um the little acts of magic in in your day that you you place to keep going such as the the pennies uh that she looks for every time she does a run as a reminder um it just using these aspects such joyful aspects to to motivate your your goals just seems like a really therapeutic approach and um i loved getting to know about her and i definitely did my research afterwards because it's like what a fascinating an uplifting human being um so i thought this was a really great um introduction to her and exploration of her her ideology one um what a delightful character this Brittany uh, Charbonneau and you know hat off to her for uh, just pursuing her dream and, and sticking with it and uh, shaping it to suit her I thought that was just really interesting um it's all uh presented really uh, neatly 
it's it, it, it's really more of a documentary than a film, but I did enjoy that sort of Wes Anderson sort of uh, intro they did there with the cookies. I thought that was cute. Um, and yeah, it's just a great story, uplifting, very positive, and it's all, again, presented really it's well. It's a really so. inspirational piece. I feel like with a lot of sport features and documentaries, it always has the same message of how people overcome difficulties and what they did to power through and the time and the hurdles they had to cross and so on and so forth. Whereas this one, it was just refining that passion and trying a different way of achieving that. And I think that in itself is so important because um, with sport, I feel like there's a stigma towards how it is to achieve success and how it's always just pushing beyond limits and just kind of... um, doing things to the point where it becomes stressful for the body and emotionally and mentally. And in this case, it's something that uh, Brittany went through, but was able to overcome with her support system and finding a way to um, kind of mix herself in to what she was doing to find that passion again and to like reignite that flame of wanting to become a professional runner. And I think that in itself is such an important message to share because it's, something that I feel like a lot of people don't really get to see and they instantly decide to stop doing what they're doing because they feel it's too hard instead of rethinking or like finding ways to rethink everything. Um, Beyond that though, I feel like the filming itself is great. Um, I say props to whoever decided to run up the mountain with Brittany because I myself would not be able to, um, even if I tried. So I think that itself was really great and it wasn't... um, try it it didn't go into the um getting the droid to follow her through the air kind of situation so it was a nicer more natural approach to it so overall i feel like it was great um message wise and directing wise so managed to direct a film that was not only inspirational but also visually stunning um but as a film it's a very splendid character study and what it takes to perform that kind of ritualistic sadomasochism, and I definitely get it. It is it is such an inspirational piece. I mean, that's just a given because we can apply this to anything, to any dream or aspiration. The same way she found a hero in Julia Child, even though they loved two different things, cooking and running, but she was able to find her tenacity her determination and her optimism to be inspiring enough to apply it to to her journey. I thought that was such a great example too. It just puts a great smile on my face. It's a beautiful piece. Yeah, if you don't mind, subscribe, hit the like button. That way we can actually do more of this in the future. Big shout out to Exoskin. They're a huge supporter of basically everything I do with Training for Ultra. So really appreciate their support. And then also, if you enjoy this enough and you want to go beyond subscribing, I will leave a link in the show notes to Patreon. And for anywhere a dollar a month, you know, you help support all my content and really make this all work. So I, I'd love to do more film in the future and just be able to share it and inspire as many people as possible. So that's very much appreciated. Um, But let's get started with the episode, the conversation with Bart Yasso and Brittany Charbonneau. Um, But we'll just start rolling, start recording. Brittany's pretty good at this impromptu stuff with uh, (laughs) 
spent some time on stage and you're a mayor so yeah how am i learn you've you've learned uh, i have People actually think I wanted that title and invented that title. I have no idea where the mayor running came from, but I've <laughs> been calling me that for 20 years. So you I mean, I did I did go to more races than your average uh, person, even that works in the running industry. I used to go to about, I used to run about 40 events a year and I would attend another 40 or 50. So I, I went to a lot of events for 31 years at Runner's World. I went all over the world to events. So I guess that's where it came out of. But I, I mean, I was going to start off with introducing, you know, we're, we're speaking with Bart Yasso, the mayor of running. That works, whatever. Which is, which is ironic because we're, <laughs> we're just discussing how he's not sure where that nickname came from. Yeah, he, I have he'd no attend idea a lot of races. <laughs> and yeah, the funny runner, Brittany Charbonneau, the feature of my uh, upcoming documentary film, Thank you guys for joining me on the podcast. And we're also probably going to throw this on YouTube as well, where the film is. So I'll open it up. I want to, I want to just have a, a nice conversation, talk some about the film, talk a lot of running, just wherever conversation goes. Hopefully it'll be enjoyable. Hey, awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. And Rob, I don't know how you do 200 mile races. I got to be honest. Just, just throw that out there. I, I second that bar. I'm about to do my first 50 K this weekend. And I'm like, I don't know if I can make that <laughs> one mile uh, at a time. Yeah. But that's, but there's that's 200 it. of them. I can do <laughs> one mile at a time for a shorter distance. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's so funny, Brittany. I'm so glad to hear you're going to do an ultra, your first 50 K. Of course, Des Linden just broke all these records in 50 K. My first ultra was 32 years ago, uh, a work assignment at Runner's World. And my first ultra was the Badwater Run, which back in 1989 was 146 miles. So you are such a smart person doing a 50K as your yeah. first ultra instead of Badwater. You are yeah, brilliant. Yeah, no, I'm not interested in that longer. I mean, that's, that's next level crazy. Yeah, yeah. I was not smart enough to realize what I was what kind of work assignment I was getting assigned at the time. I was, I was wow. having flashbacks to, to that episode. And then I realized, Oh yeah, I read your book. That was in, that was uh, in yeah. your book, right? Uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. I had no clue what was, uh, what was going to happen, but this, you know, the, the work you've done on this movie, Rob, and to bring Brittany's story out, it's such a, it's such a cool thing for the running community because you know, everyone wants to be as fast as Brittany, but most importantly, everyone wants to have a fun journey. Even if we don't get anywhere near as fast as Brittany, you know, 99, I always say to people, 99.9% .9 of runners don't make a living at running, but they still enjoy it. So it, it makes even more sense that it should be fun. And sometimes you get a little caught up in pace and mileage and all that stuff and you take some of the fun out of it and uh that's what i love about the, about the funny runner that you i mean to keep it that much fun and then to hit such an elite level is a rare combination but we have that rare combination right on this call yeah thank you i think <laughs> rob's just an, an amazing job bringing it to life and i guess i didn't think about when he, when we first did a podcast episode, um, like before he pitched the idea of doing a documentary film together, 
I guess I just didn't think about my story and my, my approach that it was anything that like, I was just like, this is kind of what I do. I don't think anybody's going to really think twice about it, or maybe other people do it this way, or I don't know. I guess I just was like, are do people care about this? I don't know. Like, uh. let's put it out there. Um, and then like, as you know, things have started to come to fruition. And as I really started to keep growing, I have realized how unique it is, but it's so genuinely me that it feels like it just feels right. And it just feels like, well, this is what I do and this is who I am and it's working for me and it's not going to work for everybody. Like it's, um, you know, like there's a lot of weird things, but it's, I don't know. I hope that that's like come across too, that it is like, yeah, it doesn't matter what level you're at. However, you can find your own way of having that much fun in whether it's running or whatever it is like, that's the ultimate goal really. Yeah. And I think that's, the uniqueness of you, like you found what made you tick and how your persona, your personality, what you like to do, you found it in running. And that took you to a whole nother level in running. Your yeah. marathon PR, what's your marathon PR? Rick? 233. 233, yeah, that's what I thought. So that, uh, not a lot of women achieve that. And you found yeah. that just by keeping running fun and keeping your lifestyle fun too, not just the running part of it. Cause we don't run 24 hours a day. There is this other part of family work, all the other stuff. And you seem to have that combo that you just enjoy. It is. It really is. And I think that I have gotten here because of my support system. If it hadn't been for my coach who really was just adamantly like, we have to keep this enjoyable. We are not going to get you to this level if we aren't enjoying it. And she doesn't want to, she wants to enjoy it too. Like it's, you know, um, all of that part. And so, and same with my husband of like, how do we keep this? Like if you're, if you're going to do this and if I'm going to support you in this, like you have to love it. And there's going to be those moments that it's like, of course there's the hard days and whatever, but genuinely overall, otherwise what's the point, you know what I mean? So I've been really, really lucky that I've just had such an amazing, really, um, close support system for me that like also gives me that permission of like, do you do your weird stuff? It's working for you. Like own you so hard. (laughs) So I've been really lucky with that. I think. Yeah. And then you, not everybody has a husband that makes cookies when they come (laughs) home from their morning run and has cookies out on the table. That's, that's unique. Oh yeah. But but I love that part of it. Cool. Thanks. I thought the opening, like with all the, um, how you, that was Rob's idea to do the cookies at the beginning of the film as the opening credits. That was so, so clever, so creative. And I thought that was just a cool way for Justin's art to also be captured. So it's kind of, yeah, it was just so, so fun and playful. I think from the beginning. I, I truly wanted to involve everyone on the, uh, the film and having Justin be a part of this, made this film like because it's definitely a part a huge part of britney's story and i thought it it was a showcase of an artistic talent and i as an artist myself love any opportunity to showcase that so um making the transition from the opener which Uh, uh, i was experimenting with some film techniques to then somehow getting us upstairs to the kitchen and have those two having fun making the opening credits was yeah i mean it was very cool it was 
lucky. It was lucky in, in a lot of senses. And uh, again, it highlights Justin's talents. It moved from Brittany's talent to Justin's talent. And to, it was to fun. The, to the family talent. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Our crazy <laughs> life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. So I was, I started running in the seventies and back in the seventies, everybody ran a hundred miles a week. If you were a marathoner, I mean, every marathoner, just what, 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 what the way it was back then. But I do, I was always, always, always a morning runner. So that was always my, you know, get up six, seven, eight miles in the morning. And then I would do a different workout in the afternoon, whatever was going on. But the more I always found that runners that run in the morning tend to be more focused. Don't miss running days that are, you know, I mean, I'm not saying you take days off, but I mean that running, they don't miss days when they're supposed to go out there and do a specific workout because they think you just, you wake up, get out there and then whatever craziness happens in the day, you already at least have one run in. If you're yeah. going to do a run, second run in the day and it works out fine. But so many people, it's so easy to talk yourself out of a run at six yeah. o'clock at night because work and sleep, you know, you're tired, you work all day, whatever it is. But when you get out the door early and I, and I just always loved being out there before yeah. people oh. got up and cars started moving and it's just so, so peaceful. peaceful. And yeah. I got that from you. I think you really enjoy those morning runs. Yeah. I think you just like, I feel like you find that. Um, I, I feel like I'm already crushing the day if I can get up and get my run in and just enjoy it and just kind of kick it off. Plus you don't have, you can't think twice about it. Like it's, you, you aren't stressing about it. Cause it's just, you just get out there and all of a sudden it starts. And then I think too, just, you know, thinking about race day prep, the more that you can get used to those AM runs, really the better, you know what I mean? Because a lot of, except for the Olympic trials were at noon. So that was challenging. So I actually had to like, when I was training for that, I would wait until noon to do my runs specifically. Right. So I could prep for what that would be like, just waiting around to go run. So, um, but most days, yeah. Yeah. It's nice to be out. Yeah. And that what, that's what, I think you really found yourself out in those mornings when you have that peace and quiet and the sun's coming up and it's just like a perfect setting to really find yourself, what you like. And uh, you really love this running stuff. Yeah, totally. Totally. (laughs) And then you'll see, and then you'll see those other like crazies out there in the morning too. And you kind of just have this mutual respect for, like kind of yeah. give them that little head nod as you pass, you know, of the, like, I know what you're up to, like you're crushing it. Yeah. Too. Dedicated. That's what I like. And you're lucky that uh, back in the seventies, we never saw any other runners. <laughs> I mean, it was such a, back then they called us the loneliness of the long distance runner. It was really true because occasionally you would see someone and it wouldn't be like you, you're kind of wave. You'd almost faint. Like, wow, there's somebody else out here running. I can't believe it. It, so, was, it was different. Yeah. What was that like for it with like, because now everybody runs marathons are massive. Um, we've got professional running, especially for women and women right uh, now are killing it. I mean, what was that like back then when it was just kind of this yeah. new maybe niche thing? Well, what is, there wasn't fun to it. It was all serious mm-hmm. and everybody was serious and it wasn't a you know, the big numbers that we have, but the, but the biggest change that I physically witnessed was the women. 
because, you know, there were only a handful in a race. And then, you know, people came along like Catherine Switzer, Joan Samuelson, uh, Dina Castor. I could go on and on. Shalane Flanagan. But there's this succession. And even even people like Oprah Winfrey, uh, when she ran Marine Corps in the early 90s, like she inspired a lot of people that never even thought running was meant for them. That's so true. And that is the most most fun, just this it just explosion happened. And now there's more, the statistical data shows there's more women running than men. Wow. And that happened in like a 45 year window. Mm-hmm. It went from such a small percentage and actually races where they didn't even allow women to run to what it is today. So, and I, runners always say to me sometimes like they're jealous because I've been doing it since the seventies. And I always say, no, no, you came along at the right time. This sport is so much fun. Now it's so big. There's a whole other side, social side to running, how we can connect with people, uh, how we can get inspired on social media. Mm-hmm. Things we, you know, you couldn't do that in the old days. Uh, there just, there wasn't a way to really find, you know, like big races like Boston and New York were on TV but just your typical local race, you know, we never got any press and no one else knew except the people in the race, what was going on. So it was, it was so different. And now there is this uh, bonding and encouraging of each other and being accepting of all abilities of running. And that's, that's the coolest thing. And that's why I think the funny runner is going to inspire many people, Uh, not just, you know, men, women, young, old, Whatever pace they're running, it doesn't matter. If you can, so. you can find your journey and keep your journey fun, yeah. what could go wrong? Because that, we all know that health benefits of running. You know, it's right. fun to be fit and to, you know, maintain your weight and to get the joy out of it. But if you can do it and keep it fun, who wouldn't want to do it? I think that goes for anything, too. You know what I mean? I, there's like this one moment last year before trials, I went to, uh, um, we went and watched the, this is obviously pre COVID. We went and watched, um, Peter Pan, the ballet here in Denver. Right. And I just remember you could find, you saw those dancers that you knew were just loving it. And then the other thing that struck me was the, um, the conductor of the orchestra in the pit, right. you see him just going nuts. And I think that was like that moment for me of like, it's fun to watch people who really are genuinely loving what they do. And I think that that's something that I hope that people can see when I'm running. I'm not trying to like show you this by any means. I just am genuinely like loving this and I hope that you see it and like whatever your, you know, ballet or running or um, conducting is just so fun to watch somebody just in their like moment and in their passion and just crushing it. And like just being in that moment, I think it's just, yeah. Yeah. Just so epic. I always used to tell people that would see me out running and then they would see me later, like at the store or at work or whatever it was. And I'd always say to them, you know, I'm sure I looked like I wasn't having fun and I was miserable and I looked like I was in pain, but I was not in pain and I was (laughs) loving every second of it that I was out there. Yeah. And I love what I'm doing. People just are like, no, you look terrible out there. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's it's what we like to do. And, I, you know, it's the movement. It's the joy. It's the just being out there. And, and it I, is the hard work. The hard work is. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I always say, you know, the reward in running, the harder you work, the goal you set, the numbers on the clock 
or what it's all about. Because in the big picture, it's really you against the clock. Yeah. I mean, there are big races and there are runners that, you know, big majors coming up in the fall. And, you know, it's a different story, whether it's the men or the women battling for the win. They really go out there and battle each other. But for most runners that just, you know, are wherever they are in the pack, it's really the runner against the clock. Yeah. Trying to improve themselves. And then and then there exactly. are people that just take in the journey and want to run marathons in all 50 states or all seven continents or as many countries. Uh, but, you know, it's it somehow Rob figured out how to catch all of this in your movie. Like, how did he... Rob, I don't know how you so, do it. It's kind of like you marinated this fun side of Brittany, this how she became a good runner side of Brittany, and then her fam, her family, and basically her lifestyle, and put it all into to this movie. It's it's not an easy thing. I I gotta hand it to you. It's pretty impressive. I, I appreciate that. And for the the stupid long races, it's me against the course, um, <laughs> which. <laughs> Thank God there's no clocks in 200 miles. I mean, there's a race, yeah, you, but really, there's you don't want to you don't want to see mile marker every mile. You want to see 200 mile markers. Just the cost of clocks on that course, right. it, it wouldn't work economically. Most fundamentally, Brittany and I have this shared passion for enjoying running. Like I've, I think for like four years now, my big thing has been enjoy your training because you do most of your running while you're training the, the race right. is just, you know, cherry on top. And so the second we did a, a podcast and I fundamentally understood that's what she is all about. I was like, I got to do a film with her because she's local. This whole pandemic thing's out of control and I can just focus on one person. I don't have to get on an airplane and, and do all of that. And then I I'm also lucky enough, fortunate enough to be in the position of having talked to a ton of elite runners and having a pretty good idea of what, what they're all about. And wow. 99% of them are not doing what Brittany is doing. And then 99% of them are not running a two thirty two, whatever you're doing. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and my my dyslexic brain makes weird connections sometimes, too. But I from everything I was picking up on with one conversation, seeing her visualization board in the background with the Olympics front and center, just everything was like, I got to do a film with her. Oh, and the last point was she's making transition from roads to trails and just blew the knocked the cover off of pike's peak right. and i i had anticipated someone else winning just part of my brain that sees trends and then when i saw that she had won by 10 minutes i was like okay like Brittany, when are we when are we doing a film because <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you're you're worthy that is one of my all-time favorite races pike's peak i oh, i uh I've only done the ascent recently, but I did the marathon years ago. And uh, I just remember I fell on the way down. You know, on the way down, there's the people coming up. And I was going to collide with this runner. And I thought, I'm going pretty fast going down. And this runner is not barely moving coming up. 
this poor runner is going to get the worst of the deal. So I kind of like lean to the right, kind of hope we didn't collide. And the next thing I knew, I was in the rocks flying through the air. I really beat myself up. And I remember getting to the finish and I was like, you know, they had a tent set up, the medical tent as you come in. And I felt, oh my God, I'm an idiot. I'm bleeding everywhere. My arm, my knee, my hip. And then I look around and there were like 10 other people in there bleeding. And I said, oh my God, I love this place. Then that's when I fell in love with that race. Because yeah. it truly is blood, sweat, and tears. Because I was, I was so happy, I was crying. And uh, I remember they put the, they clean out your wound with like it looked like a giant toothbrush, you oh, know, with like a soft bristle. And they go in there and take the stones out of the cut and then put the mercurochrome stuff on it. And this kind volunteer woman was saying, "Oh, this is gonna hurt." And I said, "No, it's not." She goes, "What do you mean?" I said. You could use a wire brush and I wouldn't feel a thing. I had so much fun running up and down this mountain. You could go to town. I'm not going to feel a thing. And she cleaned out this stuff and she said to me, wow, you're right. You didn't flinch or anything. She goes, you're crazy. And I said, no, it's, I had so much fun. Yeah. So, I mean, that I can see how you fall in love with that race because there is something about you against the mountain. As Rob says, Rob against the distance and the race. Pikes Peak is really, the mountain always wins, but if you respect the mountain, you can come away with a good time and come away with part of the mountain embedded in your knee and <laughs> hip and shoulder. Yeah, it's an awesome yeah. event. Yeah. Yeah. And I just found out a couple months ago, uh, Arlene Piper passed away. And she I was the that woman too. that did Pikes Peak in 1959. She did the Pikes Peak Marathon. Uh, that was, she, I would go out there every year and I always told her, you know, she was my hero. She was such a nice woman. She's an older, she was older. She just passed, you know. I'd uh, like to, I'd like to go back in time and just see. So I'm thinking about my experience going up Pikes, you know, and I've got these new trail shoes and I've got my hydration pack and all my gels and all of this. I would, and yeah. my, you know, moisture wicking gear. Um, I would love to go back and just see what everyone threw down in pipes, oh, like oh. they were wearing and how they were staying hydrated, if they were staying hydrated and like what that experience was like would just be a trip. Yeah. I think when I did it, we didn't have all the fancy stuff and we weren't hydrated. And, uh, you know, we, we really, <laughs> there were races that were long races in the old days that didn't have fluids anywhere and we didn't carry fluids. So we kind of made sure we were hydrated when we started and whatever happened, happened. So thank God they do what they do today because it's much safer. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. Yeah. And another thing you did in the movie, I love the, my favorite acronym ever is the FKT, the fastest known time, FKT. I don't know who started that trend, but I love seeing this stuff out there. It's so fun. I know. Yeah. I hadn't heard of it until, you know, last year. Um, but I think it's been around for, you know, a few years now, but everyone is just blown up this year, especially in the trail world. Um, giving it so I'm so grateful for those and that it existed because it was that way to still have some sort of competition or some sort of goal to chase last year. There was just so much that really wasn't able to happen. So yeah, those were such a godsend. 
go out and get some FKTs under your belt. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and I always tell people, like, you seriously want to do, like, a set trail or something serious and compare, you know, who, what is the FKT time now and try to beat that. But I always say, like, like I could have the FKT from my house to somewhere and back because who no one else starts running from my house. Exactly. <laughs> but it really is this really the, the fastest known times have really taken off with some serious runners. And it's actually pretty cool to follow. I, it yeah. is my favorite acronym. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't have to run too many of them as as long as Brittany's done it. I know what my time would be. It's just her time times about two and then i have a you know i i don't even have to go out there and do it because i already yeah. have a pretty good idea um yeah. i don't even have to attempt it but bart yeah. do you think those would have been popular in the 70s and 80s i know there were uh, some available but the popularity is just not yeah, the same I don't obviously no people it was such a hardcore uh, there were so many different races back then and they used to have a lot of handicap races that you you tried to find who had the best day. So you had you know, whatever your 10K PR was, that's how they seated you. And then you went out and run and people had slower 10K PR started first and was so different. Uh, I don't know if the FKTs would have taken off back then, but they are taking off now. And I think they're really big in the trail community because there's so many trails out there that you can say, you know, point A to point B is, you know, not a, not a, you know, I was kidding around running from my house, but I mean, a serious trail that's, uh, that people know that I've run many times or up, you know, way up to the top of a mountain. I just think it's really cool. And these times are out there. So people go into it knowing this is the time to be and yeah. go after it. I think it's really cool. I'm going to ask an obvious question and, or I know, Having had you on the podcast before, I know a little <laughs> bit about the background, but Brittany, during your training, Yasso 800s, tell tell me, have, have you done those? Is that part of your routine? Yes. Um, share share just a little bit about the uh, workout that's, you know, attributed to the, the mayor running here. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah, Bart, these are pivotal. So this is so exciting for me to get to like, share this with you because I've been doing them, um, since I started working with my coach, um, in 2017 and I had never heard of this workout. Um, she swears by it. We give them to our runners every single training cycle for their marathon. Um, so yeah, it's been really fun. Those have been like staple, just absolute staple in my training is, um, knocking out those, those yasas. And I love them because they're such a confidence boost. They're challenging. Um, but I remember my last set that I did right before trials last year. And it was just like, it was a random January sunny day where it was a sports brand shorts day and just crushed it. And it was just like such a fun workout that I like to do also because I know that my runners are doing them as well. I know that cause I coach running and I know that they're yeah. out the same thing and we're all having that same experience. So, um, hats off to you, mayor, oh, thank you. But yeah. they've been so pivotal for me. Honestly, it's really <laughs> fun that this is all kind of coming full circle. Um, cause I absolutely love that workout. Cool. Yeah. Ambie Burfoot was the guy that named them after me. That is my, that was my favorite workout training for marathons. I always liked five times a mile and 
10 times 800. Those are my, I did a lot of other speed workouts, but those seem to be the staple in the 10 times 800. I was like you, it gave me confidence. I could see my improvement and, you know, give me a time to shoot for if the weather was right. And, you know, the course was right. I would go for it. And they do work for a lot of people. The yeah. Italians love them. I mean, I've done, I don't know, like seven marathons in Italy. And when I go over there and they find out I'm there, oh my God, they go crazy. I don't like, blame them. I get it. Yeah, pre pre COVID, like you're at the start of the race and, you know, like 40 Italians are kissing you. <laughs> Girls and guys, you know, they, the Italians are such cool people. They just run up, yaso, yaso, and they start kissing you on the cheek. It's so funny. Sorry. And so uh, where did that come from? Why did, why, what is the 10? So I was, so that was my workout. I, and I didn't realize the correlation right away, but I found a correlation. And then I trained by that idea that as I got faster and how I, fast I could do 10, it worked in my marathon time. So the 800 meters and minutes and seconds equals your marathon time and hours and minutes, but you got to do 10 of them. Yep. Some people do two of them and think they're going to run that time. That's not the way it works. They didn't read the whole story. Yep. So I was at the, a marathon with Amby Burflett. We were, you know, we worked together for so many years and we were rooming together at some race. And I said, oh, I got to go out and run my 10 times 800s and I'm going to run a race and, you know, whatever it was in three weeks. And uh, he said, what are you talking about? I said, oh, I'll tell you later. So I went out and did my 10 times 800 and I always ran like, three miles first as a warm up, and did some strides and then the 10 times 800 and then some more strides and then another three mile cool down. Exactly. So I got back and then we said, man, you've been gone a while. I said, oh yeah, I got the workout in. I should be able to run, you know, this time. And I explained it to him and he thought, well, this is genius. We're going to put it in the magazine. And I said, well, I don't know it works for, <laughs> works for me. I'm not saying it works for anybody else. And he said, I'm going to do my homework on this. And he played around with other runners and, ask them if they were going to do 10, 800s, what they would average. And he found out it did work for a lot of people. So he said, well, put it in the magazine. And they made me like a Russian scientist that came up with this formula and all this stuff. It was a crazy story. And I thought this was in, it was in the Runner's World magazine in 1993, uh, before the internet took off. And so, uh, you know, I thought, okay, it's in the magazine for a month. And, you know, I am named them after me. People are going to talk about Yasuo 800s for 30 days and no one will ever hear of it again. And then the internet happened. <laughs> and there is not a day in my life that I don't either get a message, whether it's through Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or even an email about Yasuo 800s every single day of my life since, since probably 1994. How cool is that? Yeah, it is kind of cool. And I always tell people my favorite, well, I was at a race in the South Island of New Zealand and uh, I finished pretty high in the race and we're waiting for the award ceremony. So I stuck around and uh, this guy was telling me about Yasuo 800s, how this Russian scientist came out with all, and he was telling me about, it. he was telling me this Russian scientist came out with this workout. You won't believe it. Yasuo 800s, he's telling me, and I'm just looking at him. I didn't say a word. <laughs> no. <And>, uh, <laughs> And then they started giving out the awards and they called me up and they said, hey, Bariasa from the United States and the Yasuo 800s. And they called me up on stage and this guy's freaking out because he realized who I am. And I was just laughing so hard. And I told him, I said, I'm not Russian and I'm not a scientist, uh, but I am Bariasa. And uh, 
It was so funny. And then so, the other one, that one I always talk about is uh, being in a coffee shop when this woman recognized me and she said in the coffee shop, I curse your name every Wednesday night. <laughs> and when you say that around runners, all runners laugh because they know what you're talking about. But we were in a coffee shop and nobody knew what we were talking about. And they thought I was like a mean person. So the coffee shop became dead silence. Everyone's looking at me and like, I could she pointed right at me. I curse your name every Wednesday night. <laughs> And then she goes to get her coffee. And I'm like, oh, my God, I hope this woman comes over. Because <laughs> everyone in this coffee shop is staring at me. And I'm working on my laptop. And then uh, she got her coffee and came over and started, you know, she was all happy and talking to me. So then people thought, you know, I'm not really evil. <laughs> Whatever she curses about, about me, it's a good thing. Yeah. It was it's so a- funny. But at first, like, they thought, wow, this guy, there's something wrong with this guy. <laughs> I was so, so funny. And how funny, That's, like, how funny do those people in the coffee shop, like, Wednesday nights, how random is that? <laughs> yeah, I, I would, why would you curse at this guy? <laughs> it's too funny. Random strangers looking at you like, you, you jerk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you- that's what I find in the running community, that we all have this craziness to us, and we all kind of blend together somehow. We all have our own story, our own journey, and then somehow we... we really get along as a community. It's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Go I, ahead, Rob. I have one other question and I'll throw it to yeah, Brittany yeah. to ask you questions or you'd ask Brittany or Yeah, or I got whatever. a question for Brittany. Um, I can't wait. Go ahead. So you've seen running develop since the early 70s. You've also you know, been in a, a big position with Runner's World magazine. You've seen running media change over the years. Mm-hmm. Are, are podcasts and film like the the sort of the next leg in running media do you think there's always going to be a place for print media for runners and you know what are your thoughts on that front i mean uh well i watched print fade like working for runner's world magazine i watched it where it was at an all-time high and then as print media kind of faded uh but our but our website was massive uh, when I, you know, I've been retired for three and a half years from Runner's World, but when I was there, I was there for 31 years. Uh, it was interesting to follow the trends, not only in running, but in media and in publishing. Uh, but, you know, I, I find podcasts very inspiring. I just, I just think in a podcast setting, people that do them very well, like yourself, you really get people to talk about themselves that they would never do in any other setting. If they were doing a, interview for a mag- for a story in runner's world they wouldn't open up like that mm-hmm. but somehow on the podcast uh and then what you do in Brittany's film you just you you find a way to just make us comfortable and we just let it all out there and and i think if you're getting interviewed for a story well whether it could go on runnersworld.com or in the magazine you just kind of have that edge about you you're not re- ready to open it up because you don't know where someone's going to spin your story. And I think in the podcast setting, it's just kind of, you just let it flow. And uh, I think podcasts are going to be around for quite a while and become more popular. Interesting. Thank you. I think um, in that realm too, I'm thinking about print and I'm like, I don't really read as many articles anymore, but now that um, I feel like creating books are so um, it feels like more like accessible to do nowadays. I feel like that's where mm-hmm. I'm really consuming it. And I feel like that's where 
people are really opening up even more. I'm thinking about Rob, your book. I'm thinking about Alexi Papa's book and Hillary Allen's new book. I mean, I think that's maybe that next um, generation of print for storytelling and running and things like that, but almost giving the runners a little bit more um, hand in it and hand in their vulnerability and getting to like share it fully themselves. So I'm like hopeful that that kind of continues because that's just also so, so inspiring and so accessible um, nowadays, it seems like. Yeah, books, audible books are really going to just keep taking off. And I think it's just a fun way, especially if you can find an audible book where actually the author, if it's someone's memoir that they are reading themselves, that's pretty cool. Struggles through it every sentence (laughs) as I stumble on the word sentence. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So no, majority majority of my book sales are audible. Right. I, I definitely see that as almost like a podcast ish type outlet. Right. Um, there's definitely people that only want the print book. They like the tactile, you know, aspect right. of it. But majority of my book sales are audible. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Audible is really a fun way to go. I know uh, my better half and uh, she, you know, every run she's got schoolwork, uh, she went back to school after being out of school for 25 years to follow nursing and, a, and now being a, a surgical technologist wow. uh, to work in the operating room. And uh, you talk about a morning person, her, her uh, Instagram is morning made me because she gets up so early and she gets, she just feels the mornings are where you get everything done that you're going to really get done. Uh, but she, does audible all the time and she she's the one that turned me on to it and i actually love it i had but when when i got really sick with lyme disease uh i ended up with bell's palsy and it paralyzed the right side of my face and i have a lot of uh vision problems blurry vision and sometimes it's not fun reading a book because i i can't see it and everything goes blurry and it's not i don't read as much as i used to because of that so I, I think I'm going to be one of these audible crazy people because uh, I, I like it. I mean, it's really I, I listen, I listened to your book, Bart. Did I didn't, you really? Yeah. I didn't physically read it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Cause people, so, uh, yeah. And that was yeah. done. So whoever the, you know, my publisher was Rodale and they control when it goes to an audible, you know, cause I was willing to, to be the, the voice, but they said, no, we'd pay a company to do it. And they're all set to do it. But then, the guy who did my book, I mean, he called me up every day. How do I pronounce this word? I'm like, dude, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, and I would just go through it over and over every day. He would call me. Yeah, I went on for like a month. You're like, I should I, just do this. Let me just. That, that's what I thought. Like, you know, of course, that's, uh, you know, I had some Swahili words in there from my trips to Kenya and Tanzania. And, uh, you know, there's different stuff that. This guy had no clue and he wasn't a runner. So he didn't understand even running verbiage. So I'm like, wow. Do you do a, do a second edition with extended elaborations at like the end there of chapters? Go. I, I, yeah. I, another copy, Bart. I got Honestly. you. Hey, so I got, I got a question for Brittany. So, you know, you figured out how to find, find your path. And I've heard that, about myself also, because everyone wanted my job. I was the chief running officer of Runner's World's greatest gig in running and everybody wanted my job. Uh, And they always, you know, I got all these questions. How did you get your job? How can I get your job? All that kind of stuff. 
So when someone comes to you and says, I want to be Brittany, I want to be a good runner. I want to have fun doing it. I don't want my family to be mad at me because I'm always training. So what do you tell that person? Like, how did you, you created this cauldron of your family, your running, keeping your personality and keeping it fun. And then you kind of stirred it all up and came out with this Brittany stew, running stew that's just off the charts. Very cool. So how, what advice would you give someone? I mean, I think they'll get some some ideas when they watch the movie, but but if someone just walked up to you and said, I want to be Brittany, what would you tell them? I hope, I hope so, yeah. Um, I would say, please don't. Um, please don't be me. Um, yeah. Please be you somewhere. Like, please, you, you. please don't. Um, I guarantee there's going to be, like if you had to love presidential history as much as I do, I bet you would hate it. Um, but I do, so I work um, a lot with, so I coach a lot of adults, but I, I really, really love my group of um, high school girls and middle school girls that I get to work with. I have handfuls of them that I get to work with. And for me, it's so important to tell them to start early in owning who you are and figuring out how to own who you are. Because I just, I just wish I could have gone back and I wouldn't ever take this back, but I wish I could have gone back and skipped the insecure phase of my life that I was just not sure of myself and not sure that like my voice would be welcomed or like my quirkiness would be welcomed or anything like that. And so, you know, that has brought me to where I am of like really owning it. But I think owning your own fun and, and giving yourself time and space to experiment, because I think the other piece is like, let go of the perfection, let go of that. Once I got rid of this need for perfection, of course I'm chasing, you know, the biggest goals out there. And I'm really, I'm striving for, near perfection, I would say in a sense, like I want to get to my very best. But I think once I let that go and realize that it doesn't even exist anyway, was so huge. And that gave me the like permission to step into whoever I am. And I think number one, it's like really giving that time and space of what do you genuinely love? What is it about you that is so unique? And then also finding that such a sacred group of people that are willing to support you and are there for you no matter what, because if I hadn't had my sister and my coach and my husband and my whole family being there saying, yeah, go, go dress up in costume and go win this Disney race in mermaid pants. Like if I didn't have people saying that I could have had a very different coach who would say, no, this is what elites do, or this is, this is not what your people at your level do. So I think finding also those mentors in your life that are willing to, that maybe have done it before too. So of just like paving the way of, I don't care. And I'm being true to myself. I'm just trying to be kind. I'm just trying to work hard, but I'm going to enjoy life so much. So I think like, it's kind of all of those pieces together of don't be anybody else. Like don't try to be me. You probably wouldn't enjoy it as much if you wouldn't, unless you were just being you as much as I wouldn't enjoy being anybody else because I've tried it I've tried yeah. it and it sucks <laughs> yeah and you're, yeah. you're not everyone's willing to talk about their insecurities especially when you had success it's really easy to talk about your success mm-hmm. but when I when I when uh Rodale when my publishing company I worked at own runner world that asked me to do 
you know, my a memoir of me. And I said, I don't, I don't want to tell my life story, <laughs> you know. And then um, I committed to it. And they said, no, we really want you to do this memoir. And I said, okay. And I said, but I'm telling the whole story, man. I'm telling the bad stuff to get to the good stuff because that's the that's the journey. I can't just like talk about, oh, I had the success. I became the chief running officer of runner's world and made the distance running all the fame and uh, USA Hall of Champion. Like there were a lot of rough road to get to where I got. Uh, yeah. And I, I'm not ashamed of the rough road. And, you know, like you talked about the insecurities, that's part of the deal. Oh, yeah. And it's what makes you so relatable too. I don't think you can help people or coach people or be part of their lives. If you are this larger than life figure that it, it seems untouchable because then that again, perpetuates that idea of perfection, you know, that I was chasing, I was chasing that because right. I, you don't see everything that's behind the scenes and then letting that go and knowing that those rough moments are going to come just like in, in any race, you know, that those moments are going to come, but you yeah. that there's like the top of the mountain or the finish line or the, the amazing moments, like how happy you are getting your, <laughs> your wound toothbrush cleaned. You right, know, yeah. Stuff that no one else would think is supposed to be happy. I, it was happy for me. Mm-hmm. And then, and then turning to Rob, you know, the filmmaker in him, I just, I can see Rob doing these 200 mile races. Talk about finding insecurities in yourself. You can talk to yourself for a long time doing a 200 mile race. But Rob has this way of staying focused and connected and just one step in front of the other, one whatever, one mile at a time. And I think I think that helped the two of you, those personas kind of work together. And Rob, you figured out how to do it. I'm I'm in awe because uh oh, thanks. it's not that it's it's <laughs> it takes talent to do what you did with this movie. I mean um, we and were... I'm glad that 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 Brittany was so open and I think that's your crazy ultra side made it kind of, you guys just work together and made it so enjoyable. It, it was a perfect outlet because, you know, work life got stressful. So this is my creative outlet. You know, I have a wow. nine to five job, kids and a wife and just external stress. So um, it allowed me to be creative, but there were points where during making this, we're like, how how do we turn the story here? We're we've kind of driven ourselves into a wedge, and like we collaborated incredibly well. I think the way we go about artistically um, collaborating is almost identical. Like there are no bad ideas. Like you work with some people in a creative realm, and you throw an idea, and they're like, "Yeah, let's not do that," and then it just shuts down all creativity. Right. where we were able to just like take each other to a whole different level of, of just creative filmmaking, storytelling and whatnot. But uh, I, part of me is like, there were parts of that that were randomly lucky. And then other parts were like, yeah, we, we nailed it. Um, so it will be interesting to see what the responses from people. Um, but my creativity is going nonstop, 24-7. Britney's is too. I'm already coming up with ideas for Runner's World, like 
the funny <laughs> runner soup. Here's the recipe <laughs> that <laughs> Brittany, like, oh, we come should on. <laughs> <laughs> the funny just nonstop soup. with creativity. I, I don't well, know. <laughs> brought to you by the mayor of uh, <laughs> <laughs> cooked by Bart. Yes. <laughs> and, and Brittany, I could tell you did have this comfort level with Rob. You were willing not only to be yourself in the film, but just you would just open up. Yeah. I think, I think he fostered that really. I mean, it was just kind of easy from the very first podcast. It was just kind of like, Oh, this is like just an easy relationship. And I think like having that piece there. And then the very first time that we filmed, we were out on the trail and I, you know, you're trying to get a feel for somebody in person. And like Rob would throw out these dry jokes at me that were like sarcastic (laughs) that made me like, like one of them is at the end of the film. And I just love it so much where he's just like, do you know what funny is? And he deadpanned it. And I was like, uh-huh. I was like, is this guy for real? Like, is this guy- I mean, See? you know, it, but it was like kind of just those moments that it just was like, ah, we're on the same page. Um, that it just made it so fun and so easy then to just like open up. Cause he was also super accepting of all these crazy things and like all of what we have going on in our life that, um, again, it was that permission slip almost. Uh, I think really part, cool. part, part of it is also podcasting, having interviewed so many people. There's like certain techniques where before I do a close-up shot with Brittany and her sister, you know, uh, trying to just remove that, just like you had talked about for an article, how people kind of put up a front. And it was, there's times when you can like, be a Brit intentionally abrasive yet humorous. And then uh, once they figure it out, they relax and that clip is solid. After you loosened up, I think you even went out and did a cartwheel on the trail. Like your sister shared a story that you had never heard before. And I got like the most sincere reaction. Um Like it, I, I love that segment. Sister runs is like, it's just so real. Mm-hmm. And it's ironic because we shot that almost, I think first, uh-huh. and we kept like 50% of what we shot there. So. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's just been a really, really fun process. Like, I don't know. It's just been, it's so fun. And I guess I just, I think I was so open too. Cause I was like, I don't really, I didn't really have a vision for what this could become or who this might be out to. So it was just kind of like, well, may as well just, if this, if it's me and my sister who watches it, then like, at least we're having a good time. And now it's like getting out to so many other people that I hope are just enjoying, just enjoying it. Wow. Well, you, I trust me, you guys nailed it. It's really just comes across as so genuine and just, it just has that such a good feel to it. It just reminds me of the, like when I watch it, it just reminds me of the running community, how we kind of all, you know, I always say one of my quotes that a lot of races use is when the gun goes off, we all follow the same path to the finish line. But every runner has taken a unique path to get to that starting line. I love that. That's what I thought about, you know, how this comes across, you you know, it's just, uh, it's like, it's like the running community, like, you know, we all want to have fun. We all want to run fast. <laughs> Not everyone's going to be as nearly as fast as you, but we really can all have fun and share our journeys. And I think you'll inspire a lot of people to realize 
they have an inspiring journey and they should share it. And, uh, you know, because it, it's not all about just running fast. It's about yeah. what you got out of running, how you connected your family and, you know, everybody. I mean, it's just a, it's just a really cool story. It's going to inspire Thanks. a lot of people. I can't wait till everyone gets to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Bart. That's awesome. And, I mean, that's and, the goal. That's we're not um, trying to make money. We're we're literally just trying. That's my number one goal. Inspire people to run, to be happy, to accept themselves for who they are and own know that weird. own their weird. Own their weird. Own their, yeah. So the uh but the film has won some awards at film festivals. Yeah, we've been fortunate. Uh, a lot of I think we won two or three awards for best document um, documentary film and then two or three for most inspirational film and then Brittany technically I think you won the uh the award for most inspirational female in a film um so that's, it was it was awesome that's pretty cool stuff yeah cool. I was at Sundance Film Festival wow, it must have been about seven years ago and that was a very cool experience. Uh, we were there because there was a, a running film uh, being featured. And, uh, but I just remember being at Sundance thinking, wow, they're just surrounded by very talented people that know how to express themselves through film. And that was, was pretty in awe. In fact, I met uh, Nelson Mandela's grandson. Wow. Uh, to me, Nelson Mandela is the greatest leader in my lifetime. Uh, and to me, his, grand, his grandson had no idea how in awe I was. <laughs> I mean, I was like, and, you know, just couldn't believe it. And I remember uh, my favorite actor was Philip Seymour Hoffman, and he was there. And then he wow. passed away like two weeks later. Uh, mm. It was about two weeks after uh, Sundance when he lost his life, unfortunately. But I, I was in some room and someone said, I heard someone say, oh my God, there's Philip Seymour Hoffman. And I was like, are you telling the truth? And I'm like, turn around slowly. And I didn't want to act like I was going to drop dead, but he was standing there. I was like, dang, it was unbelievable. Oh, and I bet he was. And now they're going to say this about Rob. When, yeah, uh, yeah. When he goes to these film festivals. Hopefully. I, I yeah. truly, I, I see myself eventually going there. I, I don't know. It's, Film festivals, it's like, you know, a lot of it's judging art. So it's like, how do you rank artworks? It's, it's you know, very personal. But, I mean, it goes fundamentally back to, to what Brittany's discovered and I think I've discovered and Bart, you too, on just accepting yourself for who you are. And I spent so much of my life ashamed of being dyslexic and, you know, pretty ADD too and, and not being good at testing and, you know, not getting into top colleges and, and questioning, like, what's wrong with me? Like, why can't I do these like basic things? And now I'm realizing like, the more I accept that, you know, I can see film maybe a little differently than other people. I can go about conversations and skip staircases of logic and, make Britney feel awkward and then laugh and then capture the moment. Like, and, and, and during my runs, I can also meditate and kind of turn pain off. 
So I'm the more I accept myself, I think the more of maybe subtle talents that are, are there are coming out where wow. if I had just tried to put up a front this whole time, like I was doing, you know, an interview with so-and-so uh, in not accepting my, sure. what I thought were shortcomings, I, I would never discover this. So wow. yeah, just, just like what Britney's discovered, I think is really also shown in the film, interestingly through just how I put it together. Mm -hmm. uh, in some strange way, the three of us have a lot in common and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty cool actually. It's amazing. What a privilege. Yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I can't wait. Uh, this is uh, really going to be fun. And like I say, I know the running community is going to embrace it. So yep. I can't wait. Well, yeah. thank, you, Thank you guys so much yeah. for yeah. the conversation. Great. Yeah, congrats. And Brittany, it's so nice to talk to you and just uh just like like you say, be yourself. I mean, you know, we tend to follow other people, you know, people always want me to who, who the training plan should they should they follow or they want to be like this runner and being yourself is so much easier to do and yeah. better to do. Totally. <laughs> and I think Brittany, Brittany puts it out there and uh, in such a way and around your talent to get this out of Brittany. It's so cool. So I'm so happy that you guys involved me in this project and I, I'm honored to be part of this team. Likewise. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for all the words. And yeah, it means a lot that you took the time to help us out and watch it and enjoyed it and just kind of helping us get that out there and really do hope that the running community and, and beyond really, I mean, I right. it extend beyond just, um, just enjoys it and has a blast with it. I agree. There's going to be people that look at this that aren't runners and that's a, it's a whole nother kind of group that we have to look at because you'll bring them into the sport. Cause I was saying like, I didn't think those people were having fun when I see them out there. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> this like woman that. has fun all the time. Like, that's what I want to do. I didn't know you could come back from a run and eat a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because they think we're they're, we're pure as head to toe. Like, we would never touch a cookie after a run. They, they have no clue. <laughs> but that's, I think, yeah. the, the perception of a lot of people have of us, you know. So yeah. We're going to open up a lot of doors and get a lot of new runners to uh, find themselves and use running as a vehicle to express themselves and to find out who they really are. And they don't have to be like Robin run 200 mile races to find that out. A local 5k can do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but Robin needed 200 miles to figure it out. I'm more, scared, awesome. I'm, I'm more scared of Yasuo 800s than I am <laughs> 200 miles. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my God. Now is episode 162 of the Training for Ultra podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. Speaking with Bart Yasso, Brittany Charbonneau, I appreciate all their time. I appreciate your support. Thank you for considering subscribing, hitting the thumbs up button. And I really appreciate Exoskin supporting everything that we do here. But big shout out to you Patreon supporters. Appreciate you guys. Don't forget to enjoy your training. Have a great week.